This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we start by visiting with Edgar Bergen and his little dummy pal, Charlie McCarthy. You know, it's always amazed me that Bergen, while not a great ventriloquist, could make Charlie seem absolutely real. If you ever saw him perform in person, you would quickly notice his lips moving while the dummy was delivering his lines, but he had incredible breath control, as you'll hear when some of the quick dialogue goes between him and Charlie McCarthy, and how he could switch from his own voice to one of his characters. Wow. He taught himself ventriloquism from a pamphlet called The Wizard's Manual when he was 11 years old. After his father died when he was just 16, he went out to work as an apprentice accountant, a furnace stoker, a player piano operator, and a projectionist at a silent movie house. The famous ventriloquist Harry Lester was so impressed by Edgar that he gave the teenager almost daily lessons for three months in the fundamentals of ventriloquism. In the fall of 1919, Edgar paid Chicago woodcarver Theodore Mack $36 to sculpt a likeness of his rascally red-headed Irish newspaper boy to you. The head went on a dummy named Charlie McCarthy, which later became Bergen's lifelong sidekick. He created the body himself using a nine-inch length of broomstick for the backbone and rubber bands and cords to control the lower jaw mechanism of the mouth. And listen tonight to special guest Judy Garland literally breaking up when in conversation with Charlie. Radio audiences just love the characters that Edgar Bergen brought to the show. Mortimer Snurd, whom you hear tonight, was one of my favorites. And the show included other acts as well. Tonight, Abbott and Costello gave us another of their routines. That smack of the old Who's On First classic. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee, blenders and roasters of fine coffee since 1864, present Edgar Bergen. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, Ray Noble and his orchestra, our guest, the star of Metro Golden Mayor's Me and My Gal, Judy Garland, and Charlie McCarthy. Hello, Judy, me darling, darling. Hello, Charlie. What's cooking? Uh, coffee. <laughs> you want a mug? <laughs> <laughs> Say, Charlie, do you know why a moth eats a hole in a rug? Uh, no. Uh, why does a moth eat a hole in a rug? To see the floor show. Oh! <laughs> Say, Judy, how are you doing with this uh, scrap rubber drive? Uh, you know, there's a there's a, a great surplus of uh, a rubber shortage. You yes, know. yes, yes, yes. Yes, I've been serious. turning in lots of it. Good. You know the saying: collect the ruber and beat shiggle gruber. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anything that snaps means slaps for the jack. <laughs> Say, Mr. Noble, uh, uh, what have you uh, given? Huh? Well, I'm thinking of contributing a, a tired monsieur down at my Turkish bath. A tired monsieur at your Turkish bath? Yes. Uh... Worn out rubber. Jolly uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Johnny> good, I <laughs> Yes, well, <clears throat> I'll tell you what you can do, Mr. Noble. 
I'll go out and dig up some more of this scrap, and you and have that rubber band of yours play extra snappy while Judy sings, I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. <laughs> <laughs> in circles while playing the game of pretending I never realized I wasn't wise what love could do now I'm facing a future that hasn't that one happy ending and I'm a fool I guess to confess it all to you. I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. I didn't realize what a pair of eyes and a baby smile could do. Young man. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Hello, Bertie. You're not taking my Stanley steamer anywhere. No. No. I'm going to use it myself tonight. Well, uh, see you later, Charlie. Yeah, well, oh, it's nice of you to stick with me. Well, young man. If, uh, if you're going to use it, Bergen, you better give us time to take out the dishes and the clams first. Dishes and clams? Yes, sir. What are you talking about? Well, uh, you see, Skinny Dugan and me have been... You're taking that old car of yours down to the beach at Santa Monica. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, what for? Well, it's very good for... Now, don't get mad. No, no. But you will. No, what is it? Well, I'll tell you. Yeah. It's very good for steaming clams. Steaming clams? <laughs> what do you mean? Your Stanley steamer is now McCarthy and Dugan's planetaria. It's what? It's an auto grotto. Oh, I see. We specialize in the clam well, am. I see. And where do you get these clams? We dig them. You dig them? Yes. Dig them? Yes. 
Dig, dig, dig. Well, all right, yeah. I see. Well, that's not very easy work, is it? No, sir, it ain't. They're very sly, those little tricky things. Yes. Those little sand squatters. <laughs> where do you find... How do you find where they're buried, Charlie? Well, you see, Skinny and me, we sort of sneak up on them. I see. And when we, when we see one, we make a noise like a lady clam. Lady clam. Yeah. And when the clams come up to see what's cooking, they are. I see. <laughs> well, who does the cooking? You or Skinny? Uh, Pierre. Oh, Pierre. Yes, he's, uh, he's a cook. French cook, you know. I see. You must taste his barbecue, too, Pierre. Oh, and his grunions with onion. Oh, <laughs> non gratis. Oh, I see. Oh, nothing. Yes, well, I'd like to meet him. He's waiting outside. He's in the cooker now. I see. I'll get him. Oh, Pierre. He's very temperamental. Yes, I know. Oh, Pierre Lesnard. I'll get him. Mortimer, so you're Pierre Lesnard, are you? Yeah, yeah. A French... Oh, sure, sure. Bondor, Monsieur, Bondor. Bondor, yeah, Bondor. Yeah, I did. Regular Frenchman. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What? I mean, uh, oui, 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 oui. <laughs> yes. Uh, Parlez-vous français? Uh, oui, was... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I said, parlez-vous français? No, oh, there you go. <laughs> You're always clowning you and your Swedish accent. <laughs> no, I say, uh, what I mean, yeah, I understand you're a very good cook. Yeah, yeah, very good, yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm quite notorious. Is that so? <laughs> I guess you've heard of, uh, heard of Oscar of the Waldorf. Yes, I've heard of Oscar of the Waldorf. Well, I'm Mort of the Fishwarf. I... <laughs> well, that's good, yeah. Now, tell me, I'm rather interested, Mortimer. Tell me about uh, the various things down there. How was your cuisine? Uh, there was about five of us there. Uh, uh, hmm? I <laughs> Your cuisine. Oh, well, the only relative I got is Grandpa. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, I was speaking of your food. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the nicest dish you serve? Hmm? The nicest dish you serve. Oh, the nicest dish. Uh, well, there's several. Yeah. The other day, a tall blonde in a baby. <laughs> No, no, no. She was mighty pretty. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, what's on your menu? Hmm? Your menu? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. No, I mean, uh, you, you must have a menu. I must, huh? Yes, uh, a bill affair. <laughs> a bill affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What do you have on your bill affair? We don't use them. Oh, you don't use them. <laughs> I just let the customers look at my apron. It tells the story. I don't know. We present two pictures before and after. The first is a home at breakfast time. The persons, Mr. and Mrs. Where's my hat? Aren't you going to finish your coffee? Nope, no time. So long. See you tonight. Well, that isn't very much like the first few months we were married. I wonder what's the matter. That was before. Now, same scene, same people a few days after. Mmm. Mmm, that coffee smells good. Ah, just wait until you taste it. Can't wait. Sorry. Gonna taste it right now. Oh, don't burn yourself. I won't. Mm. Boy, that's good. Just like downtown. <laughs> like it? Like it. But there's flavor enough in that cup to make four of the old kind. 
must be Jason Sanborn. It is. A man's coffee. Lady, you come here to me. What? <laughs> Why? What have I done? Let's hear you say prunes. Prunes. <laughs> Once more. Did you get your Chase and Sanborn kiss this morning? If you didn't, get one tomorrow. Ask your grocer for the Chase and Sanborn coffee he's selling now. Charlie's... <laughs> I, 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 
get it either. Oh, look, if Charlie's going to feed the horse, then he'll have to buy the horse's fodder. Why should he buy the horse's fodder? We've got one horse already. No, no, you don't understand. Charlie puts the horse's fodder in a bag and hangs it on your horse's nose. Now, ain't our horse going to look funny with his fodder hanging on his nose? No, 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 no. Your horse eats his fodder. What have we got, a cannibal? No, certainly not. Well, what does the horse's fodder eat? He eats his fodder. What do you know? Yeah. And what does the horse's mother eat? She eats her fodder. It's getting worse all the time. They just keep picking on the old man. I get it. This is Father's Day. I... Oh. in your heart and you have an urge to get up and dance, it may be because today is the first day of summer. Or then again, it may be Jerome Kearns. Smoke it in your eyes, a la Ray Noble.
there's something I want to talk to you about. What is it, Charlie? Well, aren't you going to congratulate me? Why? Well, is it your birthday? No, silly. It's Father's Day. Oh, I know it is, but what's that got to do with you? Well, <laughs> ain't I your sweet daddy? <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> you're impossible. Oh, no. But say, did you buy Mr. Bergen a, a Father's Day present? Uh, well, I would. Uh, you see, there was. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, Charlie, you're very, very thoughtless. Doleless is the word. Doleless, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Charlie, who was it who always cheered you up when things looked darker? That was Bergen did this. And, and who was it who always nursed you when you were sick? Oh, that was Bergen. And who always loaned you money when you were broke? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I never met the man yet. <laughs> don't change the subject. Well, I still think you should have gotten him something. Oh, so there you are, children. Uh, don't mention anything about your son, you know. No, he doesn't. All right, all right. Climb upon my knees, sonny boy. <laughs> <laughs> Though you're only 12, sonny boy. You do it right in front of Judy, don't you? <laughs> Uh-oh. Hello, son. I get it. I get it. Yes. Hello, Bergen. Wonderful day, isn't it, Judy? Wonderful. Yes. Yes, it certainly is, Mr. Bergen. Mm. If it doesn't rain, it is. Yes. <laughs> Marvelous thing, fatherhood. Nothing like it. There's nothing more tender than the relationship between father and son. You're right, Mr. Bergen. Why, do you realize that 50% of the parents are fathers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness, that's practically half, isn't it? <laughs> well, son? Yes? I don't suppose you have anything special to say to me or, uh... No. Or, uh, anything? No, no, no. You, uh... No, no, no. <laughs> Not a thing. No. I see. Hasn't come, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, the day isn't over yet. I guess I'll just toddle along and leave you two children alone. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he really expected something, didn't he? Of course he did, Charlie. Oh, the way he hinted it was rude, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> if I were you, I'd go right out and buy him something. Well, don't you think he'd be just as happy if I gave him one of those big Chase and Sanborn kisses? <laughs> 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 Listen, if I were you, I'd get him something to show what he's worth to you. What he's worth to me? Yes. The five and ten is closed today. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't know what to buy him. I don't. Well, I, I, I think I'd get him something practical. Yeah? Something he can use. Something he can use. Mm-hmm. How about a bowl? A bowl? Yes, something to soak his bread in. <laughs> How about a billfold? Oh, he doesn't fold them. He buries them. <laughs> Say, do you think he'd like, uh, you know, clothing, huh? Well, I've never seen him go anywhere without it. No, that's right. <laughs> Maybe he'd like a beanie. A beanie? I could get him a combination uh, nutmeg grinder, pants presser, and lightning rod. Oh, oh, that'd, be, that'd be good. Or how about a pair of open-toed earmuffs with a belt in the back? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not so good. <laughs> Maybe you didn't say it loud enough. <laughs> should have said it so they didn't hear it. <laughs> well, let's go to the department store. Maybe we'll get an idea. Let's run. <laughs> How much money have you got? <laughs> How much money have you got? We can trade this egg in for something. <laughs> And I got a cool buck in the quota. 
And you don't know how I've suffered to scrape it together. I just suffer and scrape and suffer. <laughs> well, go get your piggy back and we'll bring home the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a store. Let's look around. Maybe our man over there can help us. Are you the floor walker? Uh, yes, I'm the aisle pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> Four hours, nine to five, six to one, half a dozen to the other. And uh, what can I do for you? You got anything in the second? Yeah. I mean, um, we're, we're looking for something for Father's Day for this young man. Oh, isn't he rather small for a father? Oh, Now listen, Four Flusher. I mean, Floral Walker. <laughs> we want you to show us some courtesy. Righto. Uh, what size do you wear? Well, something. Well, let's see. About a 13 and a half collar with a high instep. Hmm? Tell me, do you keep stationary? Oh, no, I move around. No. <laughs> well, uh, what would you suggest that would appeal to a man about, oh, about 35? Yes. A blonde, about 21, but of course... <laughs> do you have anything snappy in garters? <laughs> Oh, no, but we have something catchy in flypaper. <laughs> Shall we go? Well, I don't know. I, uh, listen, we're not getting anywhere here. Where's the gift department? Oh, gift department. Yeah. Right over here. I'm doing one of our best salesmen, Mr. Swing. You don't say. <laughs> Is it storming outside? Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, I am a salesman, and I'm a first-rate salesman, too. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm not exactly a first-rate salesman, either, no. because I'm more of a cut-rate salesman. Oh, and, cut well, no, what I mean is I'm a very hot salesman. You're a hot salesman. You sell hot dogs, I No, I do not. I do not sell hot dogs. Oh, and hot dogs are sold in the pet shop. Yes. And if you want a hot dog, why on earth did you ever come in here in the first place? Oh. Well, I'm beginning to wonder myself. That's a good question, I think. And please don't think of the lingerie. That's lingerie. You don't say. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Go ahead and have yes. a good time at my oh, expense. Enjoy. Oh, yes. You're just going to tease me until you get me into a snip. Oh, what? Yes. And you're just trying to torment me because I'm a pretty old man. Oh. I'm not exactly a pretty old man either, no. but I'm not what you'd call homely. No. <laughs> all right, you're not a homely old man. You just have an ugly disposition. That's all. Charlie. Let's, let's stop wasting time. Do you have any notions? Oh, yes. I have oceans of notions. Uh, in fact, I have scads. And, yes, well, no, yes. I don't exactly have scads either. No. But well, have you got one notion? Just one. Yes, I have one notion. That's not to wait on you, and so I won't. I'd like to say good day, and so I'm going to. Good day. Good day. Oh. <laughs> Poor man. We'll have a tough time to top that. <laughs> Well, listen, maybe I'd better buy this present yes. myself, Charlie. Uh -huh. You know, shopping is his art. It needs a woman's touch. How true, how true, Judy. Yes. Now, here's my dollar and a quota. Y'all can take it on from here on. You hear me? Spin it all. Well, now, let's see. Yes. What's this over here? I don't know. Oh, look, Charlie. Isn't that the darlingest knitted snood? A snood for Bergen? Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Not for Mr. Bergen, for me. Yeah, but it's father's. And day. look, it's just a dollar and a quarter. It's my dough, too. I think I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> now I know what you mean by a woman's touch. <laughs> Stay tuned for Lights Out next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Some scary stuff coming along right now. It's time for Lights Out. Lights Out. 
everybody. stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly, but sincerely, to turn off your radio now. Prophecy is an easy thing. For rarely is the prophet brought to judgment. Tonight I bring you a false prophecy. A play set at this hour, yes, one minute after ten Eastern peacetime, but the years have moved onward to the number of fifty-five. The place of our story is a great rocket speeding away from the moon. Yes, away. For the first trip to the moon has finally taken place, and a triumphant airship is now rapidly returning to the Mother Earth. Here, then, is a story about a tomorrow 55 years hence, September 20th in the year of our Lord, 2000, on board a rocket ship. A play that is, I sincerely hope, a very false prophecy. There's a great deal of work to be done. Work's over, Doctor. Twenty-four hours more and we're back. Yes, Doctor. We'll be back. We've done it. Complete. In 24 hours. If you're worried about our landing, I'm not. You worried, Reynolds? No, sir. Everything's in perfect order. Sure, Doctor. There's going to be a round trip. Anyway, there's 24 hours before we have to worry about that. Yes, Doctor. It's a time for celebration. Oh, I'm glad to be alive, boys. I'm glad to be alive. I'm riding on a rocket train, and soon I will arrive. Oh, Are you men out of your minds? You, Major Russell. Reynolds is still a boy, but you're a mature man. Please act mature man. Oh, but Doctor. I'll grant you that our adventure has gone well. Well is right. We've been to the moon. My congratulations. Oh, thank you, Major. Thank you. I'll put the medal on my other chair. Will you men listen to me? 
We're 48,000 miles from the island. And headed right for it. We're not there yet. Doc, pardon the expression, but you're a gloomy Joe. I am a realist. Doctor, the possibilities of anything going wrong are remote. Surely we're entitled to relax a little and relish the fact of what we've done. Yeah, we've done it, Doc. Even if we never get back, we've done it. We've been to the moon, and it'll always be there on the books. I'm not interested in becoming an historical fact, Major Russell. The data we've collected, that's my only interest. May I ask you and Reynolds to get back to your post? Oh, but everything's going like clockwork. Look at the gauges. But we are out of radio contact with the Earth. Yes, sir. But we are on course. Doc, what is wrong? Wrong? What should be wrong? No, the kid's right, Doc. Ever since we made the circle and started back, all these days you've been acting as if we didn't make it. We've gone 243,000 miles, and we're three-quarters of the way back, and we're in, Doc. We're in. So what's the matter with you? How old were you, Major, when the Second World War ended? Oh, about five. What's that got to do? And you, Reynolds, you weren't even born. No, sir. I was 21 on that day in New Mexico when they set off the first chain reaction. 21. Doc, you mean to say you were in at the beginning of it? Of course he was. Dr. Chamberlain was one of the original research men in the atomic bomb project back in 45. The only one of them alive today. Well, what do you know? So that's why you wanted to make this trip, Doc. I mean, you... Yes, Major. You wanted it as a substitution for what you missed as a boy. The excitement and glory of war. Oh, Doc. It's true. And Reynolds here is young and idealistic. And the scientific wonder of it was what he wanted. And I? I was there at the birth of an era... Now atomic power is driving me into space, back to the Earth where it all began. And I'm thinking... Yeah, Doc? It's not pertinent to any of this. We have no time to discuss our emotions. There's work to be done. Interior temperature, uh, 68.2. Interior temperature, 68.2. Well, that's it. Yes? Any radio contact, Reynolds? No, sir. How about that, Doc? Unfortunate, but not very vital. We're definitely on course. How much longer will it be, Doc? Ten hours. At the most, ten hours. In the middle of LaGuardia Field. That's where I'd like to land. I hope not. Texas. Isn't that it? Sure, sure. We'll hit the flats right on the nose. If the auxiliary jets work. They worked on the moon. They'll work on landing. We're the good luck boys, Doc. We can't miss. <laughs> you have the optimism of a 16-year-old. Reynolds, you'd better get back to your radio. Try phone contact. Yes, sir. Major, check the jet temperatures. Uh, right jet, 1580. Right jet, 1580. Left jet, 1583. Left jet, 1583. Speed... Twenty-four eight thirty-two. Speed twenty-four eight thirty-two. XR one calling CQ. XR one calling CQ. Hello, hello, hello. XR one calling CQ. Hello, hello, hello. Any luck? No, sir. Put your transmitter I mean, about my wanting the excitement and adventure. That's true, you know. I'm 60 years old, and I guess I just lived for this chance. 
The army hadn't okayed my going. Well, here I am. Once we land, I'll admit frankly I'm going to cash in on every bit of it and have myself a time. You know something? I get the feeling kind of depressed when I think it'll soon be over. Well, there's no reason for depression, is there? I couldn't answer that. Why not? And you've been wondering undoubtedly why ever since we left the moon I've been acting strangely. That's right. I've never believed in predestination, and yet there's been sort of a motivation of faith in my life. At 21, I was part of that research team trying to adapt atomic power to military purposes. When that first bomb went off over the New Mexico desert, a newspaper man repeated the words, What hath God brought? And no one quite knew. I've been waiting 55 years for the answer. I think I found it a few hours ago on the moon. And it's an answer full of horror. Oxygen valve, that's why you're yawning. Oh, yes, sir. Two points? Two points? Well, the major's sure sleeping. Yes. It's only a few more hours, isn't it? Yes. Will we have to put on our compression suits the way we did on the takeoff? Yes, of course. Uh, Doctor, may... May I ask you something? Yes? Uh, before... You spoke of finding an answer on the moon. And and then you didn't say any more. Well, I've been thinking about it. I was wondering if it was something that the Major couldn't understand. And that's why you didn't speak of it further. And now you want to know. Yes, sir. I, I haven't lived anywhere as long as you two have. But my life has been built around atomic power. My dad. He was one of your men. I, ever since I was a child, becoming a physicist like Dad was and you are and Dr. Oppenheimer and all the rest, why, that was it. Now, all of a sudden, the way you spoke before, as if all our research has been criminal. Do you mean that? Collision radar. Get at it. What's the matter? What's the matter? Object approaching. Where? 15 degrees west. There it is. Meteorite. It's a meteorite. It's all... Uh, uh, that was the closest. Oh, it was indeed. Be sardonic indeed to collide with a meteorite at this point in our journey. I, I use a stronger word than sardonic, Doctor. Yeah, like fatal. It's all clear. Well, I... I'd better get back to No, Reynolds. Reynolds, you asked me a question before, and I want to answer it. You too, Major Russell. I want you to hear this. Sure. Reynolds overheard what I said to you, that I'd found the answer to a very old question on the moon. He said that he felt that somehow I thought all of the research on atomic power had been criminal. No, young man, I don't believe that. Not at all. 
criminal to know more about a way of nature? No. The answer I, I found was something else. I haven't even an answer, perhaps only a theory. When we came within a hundred miles of the moon and then began to de-accelerate, to turn back, what did we see through the observation ports? Well, Doctor... Sir, no, please, let me tell you what I saw. The craters of the moon. Great, gigantic craters, and as we came closer and closer, the look of them was so familiar. Not because I'd seen them through telescopes and in photographs, but for some reason that I, I couldn't quite understand. Craters of the moon, and suddenly, at the very moment when we'd come as close as we dared and our ship swung in an orbit to return, suddenly I knew. It was a memory of another crater I'd seen 55 years before in New Mexico from an observation plane high over the ground a few hours after the first atomic bomb had lit the sky with a new sun. Yes. The crater in the crust of the earth that bomb had left was the same as the craters of the moon. Do you understand? The crater our bomb had left on the earth was the same as the craters on the moon. So what? I don't get it. Yes, Doctor. What are you getting at? The crater in that desert was a thousandth of the size of the ones you're talking about. I suddenly began to think. Was it not possible that the moon had gone through the same evolutionary processes as our Earth before our Earth? Yes. Wasn't it possible that men had come into being on the moon, developed their own civilization, had known scientific progress, even as we have, but long before we Earthmen had known it? Say, Doc! You do understand. These men of the moon had discovered the secret of atomic power long before we did, and then had used it to blast and to tear each other. Yes. And the craters on the moon, that terrible devastation, was the record of the destruction of their civilization. A final war, which had burned up the very atmosphere and left the moon a dead planet, circling endlessly through an airless sky. All right, Doctor. Presuming your theory is correct, that, that the moon men had started through a war, a, a chain atomic reaction that they couldn't stop, well, what of it? It indicates that they were fools. Yeah, that's it. Fools. Are we any wiser? get anything, Reynolds? No, sir. Would you come here a moment? Yes, sir. Will you help me with this port covering? Yes, sir. Here, there. All right. Well, then. Hey, hurry, take a look, huh? Yes, that's it. Ah. There she is. Mama Earth. Reynolds, the cameras? Yes, sir. How much should I run, Doctor? Put it on automatic exposure. Yes, sir. Six more hours, eh, Doctor? Or less. Sure, we haven't made a mistake and headed for Venus. What are you? <laughs> that was just a bad joke, Doc. Well, there's no two ways about it. The outline of the continents, we can't make any mistake about that being our home address. 
I wonder how much they can see of us. What are we, six, seven thousand miles out? You know, this reminds me of the time about 25 years ago. The Army sent me up to a thousand miles to take observation photographs. Well, you remember how the atomic reaction motors were then. We got up about 500 feet. Nature. What? What? Look down. Look. Hmm? What? What? Well, I don't see anything. Look, I tell you. Reynolds, come here. What's the matter? Something wrong? Well, the doctor says there's... Reynolds, look. You see? Yes. What is it? I see it, too. Bright lights going on and off. What's going on down there? Doctor, are they signaling us? Are they signaling? It's 6,000 miles. Why? Why should they? That's right. There's no such plan. Look at it. It is lights going on and off. But they're all from one area. And you make out where? North America. Then they are signals. The candle in the window. Your own question. At 6,000 miles? Wait a minute. Are they explosions? Explosions? Major Doctor, is that it? Are they explosions? I don't know. CQ, CQ, hello, 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 CQ, CQ. Oh, I'm sorry, Doctor, I can't raise anyone. Doc, Doc, come here. Yes, but look, the closer we get, they are exploding. Three more hours, we'll know. I want to know now. Reynolds, what's the matter with you? Why can't you make radio contact? I'm doing everything I can. Major. Major. Doc, what are the craters? Look, craters. Craters? At this altitude, you couldn't possibly... After each flash, I do see them. Okay, okay, what does it mean? Well, what are you looking at me like that for? What does it mean? Dr. Major, something's coming through. Oh, well, about time. I, I can only hear it faintly. What? What? Please, let me listen. United States. What? Reynolds, what is it? Tell us. Boy, I, I couldn't quite make up. He said... Said what? Tell us. War. He said war. Blasting the United States off the face of the earth. Blasting. It's a joke, isn't it? Isn't it? sending now? What now? It began an hour ago. No warning. Projectiles radio controlled. Point of origin unknown. Oh, it stopped again. The transmission. It's enough. Where's the international police force? What's being done about it? Doctor. Doctor, did you hear it was an attack without warning? Who could it be? What's the idea? The explosions are increasing in frequency. Reynolds! Reynolds, is there anything more coming through? No, nothing. 
Yes. Yes, they started transmission again. All right, let's have it quick. Some station in Midwest. I can't get the call letters. Who cares? He says it's hell. Ground shaking. No bombs landed near, but air reconnaissance. It's so garbled I can hardly make out. Well, well. It started an hour ago. Everything burning. Oh, it stopped again. There's nothing. Doctor? Doctor, in heaven's name, what do you think it's all about? Stop staring out of the window and talk to me. What are they doing? What do you mean, what are they doing? They're bombing us, blasting us. It's war, but who? We've got to find out. Reynolds, find out who. What? It's no use. There's no transmission. Doctor, those bombs, where are they coming from? Can't you tell by the trajectory? At this distance? And what difference does the face of the enemy make? It, it's happening, that's all. Smashed them. I always said we should have smashed them. Exterminated them 50 years ago. Well, they were so peaceful for so many years. And... The flashes are increasing in frequency. Reynolds, get on that radio. I'll try again. I've got to know who, that devils. We had agreements with everyone. The international devils, all of them. Call them devils. I don't even know who they are. Reynolds! You get anything? No. No, I don't. Doctor, faster. Let's get down there faster. Let's open it up. Well, you know better than that. We're entering atmosphere. Increased speed. We burn up like a meteorite. But I'm an army man. All my life Nothing's I've been coming through. What? What? The bombs. Nothing can... I can hardly make it out. Keep at it. Panic. Paratroopers. Who? Who? Last message from United States of it. It's ended. There is no more. Get down there faster. Only 500 more miles. Look at it down there. Our Air Force, protective measures. What happened to them? What happened? Doctor, you, why don't you say something? We'll just sit there for hours watching. This isn't a scientific experiment going on down there. They're blasting us to pieces. Us, us. Your atomic bomb, the great secret. Hold it over the world and have peace forever. You said that. Yes, you. I was a kid then. I heard you say it over the radio when they gave you a medal. Hold it over the world and have peace forever. But what do you got to say now? We had a wonderful 55 years. What? Everybody had a wonderful time. Reynolds, what's the matter with him? He's gone now. Let him finish. First, we hung the criminals 55 years ago. And as soon as their bodies stopped swinging, we left the crowd and each went back to his own house and shut the door. You said the peace would hold forever. I I said it because I thought that when the secret was put away, the people of the world would remember the terror. I, I said to myself, now, surely now that they've seen the possibility of the disintegration of their earth, they'll be drawn together once again into the, the 
family of men as it must have been in the beginning. I, I forgot what years could do. I forgot how quickly forgetfulness comes. I forgot that in only a few years, Hiroshima and Nagasaki would be only yesterday's sensations for a nation eager for sensations for today. You keep asking me who's sending those bombs against us. Who? I tell you, we're sending them against ourselves. Yes. Because had we made our way of life something more than a confused dream of shiny machines and happy endings, those bombs of hatred and revenge would not be flying at us. I said the peace would hold forever because I thought that out of that war at last man had learned that there was no defense against hatred and revenge, but the defense of education for the unity of people. It was a race, gentlemen, against time. And we wasted our last 55 years running backwards on a track of chromium and plastics. And so we've lost forever. No. We've never lost. Look, the blasts are increasing in frequency. There's nothing left. Nothing. We'll start someplace else. We'll build... Doctor, look. The color of the blast. Oh, dear God. What? What? Doctor, it's nitrogen, isn't it? Nitrogen? What? The fools, the everlasting fools, I warned. The blast. More and more. They started something they couldn't end. The color of the blast, they've set off hydrogen atoms. I, I don't know what... We used uranium, plutonium, and when the initial blast was over, that was all. But hydrogen, that's part of life. One reaction sets off the other like setting off an endless chain until... Look down there. Blast. Faster and faster. They're spreading. The fools. God help the fools. God help the fools. chain reaction burned up all the air. Oh, my. Major. Major, the left jet. It's all right. It's all right. All right. Where are we going? Can we go down there? There's no air, no life. The moon, the earth, the same. Uh, How much fuel? There's the gauge. Two, three hours? Yes. Yes, I think that's right. Isn't it, Major? Yeah. What? What do we do? You ask that question now? The Major no longer asks it. Do you know the answer, Major? Sure. We'll circle around. Then we'll crash. <gasps> no, 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 no. No, it'll be all right, my boy. My words again. Have peace forever. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Lone Ranger, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.